Hello, everyone, once again. Uh, welcome to the final session of this uh, celebratory festival edition. I'm Mirna Belna, I'm one of the festival curators, and uh, I'm very happy to be here. Um, this has been a uh, really exciting day, um, if you have been with us from 10 in the morning. And I think, yeah, time to announce our first speaker. We start with Stoffel de Bausteren. Brussels-based researcher and curator of cinema and audiovisual arts. He has organized and curated numerous film programs. You might know him as a head programmer of the Courtesan Festival in Ghent. He's also a lecturer in critical film studies at the Kask School of Art in Ghent, where he recently obtained a PhD with the project Figures of Descent, Cinema of Politics, Politics of Cinema. Stoffel has curated a film program uh, for us here at the festival called In the Present Tense. Uh, we have presented it earlier in the Rode Zal, which uh, with films, you can see them here um, maybe uh, at some point. So with films by Strabhuyé and Marta Mateusz, uh, which will act as a starting point for Stoffel's questions about fiction. Also following the ideas of Jacques, Jacques Rancière, and you can also read Stoffel's interview with uh, Jacques Rancière in our festival reader or publication. So following the ideas of Jacques Rancière, um, in his lecture Stoffel will um, prob problematize the usual reel of fiction and make arguments for fictions of the reel. Stoffel, please. So, hello, good afternoon. Um, I'm happy to be here and thank you all for joining us uh, on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Um, I, as mentioned, I, I assembled some, some notes if you will, uh, as a kind of extension, um, not only of the film program I, I proposed here this afternoon, but also uh, of the interview that was published in, in the catalogue. Um, so please bear with me. Um, so first of all, when I was asked, asked to, to speak or present something in, in this context, uh, I was only offered the title of, of this event as a, as a kind of starting point, as a source of inspiration. And the title of which, which is, of course, uh, Hereafter. Um, now, what, is, what this notion of hereafter suggests is a certain, certain narrative, an ordering of time, if you like, defining what is given as the here and now of our present, the ways in which the present uh, depends on a certain past or, or conversely uh, breaks away from it, uh, and the ways in which this present allows or disallows uh, this or, or that future. And in this order, or, or this ordering of time, uh, usually dividing lies are being drawn between the time before and the time after, the time past and the time to come, uh, but also between what remains the same, what can be different, what is necessary, what is contingent, what is possible, what is impossible. Um, now, this ordering of time and, and the sense of possible associated with it uh, is, uh, I would say, uh, at the heart of the notion of fiction. After all, since Aristotle, it has been taken for granted, at least here in the Western world, uh, that fiction consists in, co in constructing a logical arrangement of actions as they might or could happen, which is to say, uh, starting from possibility, rather than recounting what has, has, what has happened, which is considered as the uh, prerogative of uh, history. So the question I would like to explore or propose here is, um, couldn't an exploration of our current form of fiction say something about the way we make, make sense of our time? about the ways we perceive our present and the relations we are able to, to devise between evocations of the past and projections of the future. Especially now that uh, our sense of the possible seems to be 
increasingly uh, annexed by the formula uh, there is no alternative, Tina, for closing on any hereafter uh, other than, than an infinite repetition of the existing, existing necessity. Uh, couldn't contemporary constructions of fiction help us to think about multiple ways of constructing a sense of reality and a sense of the possible? Now, the, the forms of fiction I would like to uh, explore are the fictions of, of cinema. Um, and one of the main reasons for my interest in cinematic fictions um, is my involvement, in, in, as, as mentioned, in the film department of, a, of an art school. Um, the, the school is called uh, KASK, uh, the School of Arts in Ghent. Um, that's where I perceive firsthand a, a certain persistent difficulty to invent fictions that are apt to our time. Or perhaps I should rather say fictions that are precisely not in tune with our time, uh, not in accordance with the layout of, of perceptions and expectations that make up the dominant common, common sense. Instead, we often seem to find ourselves in front of mirrors in which fiction is reduced to a display of identities, uh, attitudes and signs that, that invites, uh, invites us to recognize and savor the dominant uh, socio-political imaginary, uh, with its associated sense of what is real, possible, or necessary, and what is not. As if the fictional forms which we are still being taught in our schools, often developed in line with uh, Aristotle's uh, precepts of unity of action and uh, logic of causality, in accordance with the rules of uh, verisimilitudes and codification of expression, and grapple to invent worlds that challenge uh, the common order of reality, while the same order increasingly imposes its own laws of, on fiction, you know, uh, absorbing all the visible and audible in its consensual logic. A colleague of mine has, a colleague, a colleague of mine, uh, has referred to the problem uh, as a kind of depression of fiction, his words. The depression, he says, that is generally characterized by a state of immobility, uh, typically embodied by characters who are at loss for words that could set them in motion or actions that could turn things around. So why is it that the traditional forms of cinematic fiction seem to have trouble to drive, to drive cracks in the dominant imaginary? And which fictional forms would make it possible to think through uh, new relations between the sense of the real and the possible? Now, it is, it is these, these questions or questions like these that has led me to the work of amongst others, uh, Jacques Rancière, and in particular to his notion of the, the fictions of the real. Now, the, the, the very first time I, I, I came across the notion of the fictions of the real um, was in, in one of Rancière's pieces uh, of writing that was published in the magazine uh, Cahiers du Cinéma, which you see here behind me. At the time, he was writing uh, for Cahiers every month or so. Um, and this was a piece published in April, April 2000 with the title uh, Il est arrivé quelque chose au réel, or Something has happened to the real. Um, and the starting point for this piece of writing was a French film uh, called uh, Nadia et les Hippopotames, uh, or Nadia, Nadia and, the and the Hippos, I think, directed by uh, Dominique Cabrera in Britain uh, with, uh, with the sociologue um, Philippe Corcuff. And the film proposes a fictional account of the, of the strikes and, and the social struggles that were raging all over France in, in the mid-90s. Um, and the film portrays a, a single mother who, who unexpectedly gets involved in uh, the hustle and bustle of the struggle, uh, with the effect that uh, this woman whose life is usually taken up by day-to-day -day human activities becomes more politically conscious, while at the same time the strikers who are wholly invested in political activism become more humanly mature, let's say. 
so in many ways, the, the film was a, a typical social fiction of the time uh, that was trying to, to, to that was trying to strike a balance between the political and the personal, uh, between the intimate and, and, and the collective. But <clears throat> Jacques Lancière, in this in this piece of writing, argued that, that there was something in this calculated mix, which tries to balance out or, or redeem even the edification associated with political idealism or um, conscious raising by adding a flavor of humanity to the mix that, that didn't work anymore. What has been exhausted, he suggested, is the real of fiction, and by which he alludes to uh, the ways in which fiction is rendered, rendered credible, believable, and imbued with a sense of reality by calculating the, calculating the right amount of recognition effects on one hand, yeah, by presenting us with familiar characters and emotions that we can immediately acknowledge and identify. And on the other hand, the effect of surprise caused by standard deviations of characters and events that impose their sense of reality uh, by the very fact that they're unexpected. So the so-called wheel of fiction is made up of certain entanglements of recognition and surprise, of prox proximity and distance, that attest, attest to the real, so that fiction is attested by the real in return. And it's these configurations of sociopolitical stereotypes and dramatic cliches that ensure a kind of mirror recognition between uh, the audience in the screening space and the figures on the screen, and between the figures of the screen, on the screen and those of the social uh, imaginary. Now, if this circle of mutual attestation, this kind of social um, fictional compromise, seems to be paralyzed, uh, Ronciere suggested, it's because something has happened to the real. Now, th this does not mean that the real has vanished, as some in the wake of uh, Jean Baudrillard and others would have it, but that it has rather become a matter of inquiry. In a growing number of cinematic fictions, he seems to suggest, the real is no longer an effect to be produced, but a given to examine and extend. No longer something to attest to, but something to attend to. If the logic of the real of fiction has been exhausted, it's because other modes of fictioning have been invented that measure up to its forged uh, obviousness and instead of having to attest to the real, take it as a given, take, take it as a starting point for a multitude of inquiries, of uh, ventures that can really problematize the real. So these are, these are what he called fictions of the real. So because fictions of the real are, are released of, or um, absolved from the duty of attestation, they are able to provoke the unexpected and toward, and toward expectations by developing and bringing out a force that is inherent in everyday appearances and experiences of a silhouette, a look, a sigh, a gesture, an anecdote, a place, a memory. That is, without having to resort to the codes and rules of employment, as it has been uh, traditionally devised as the strategic arrangement of actions according to patterns of causes and effects, ends and means, that are grounded in principles of uh, verisimilitude and, and, uh, or necessity. I admit it has taken me quite a while, and still, I guess, to be able to grasp this notion of the fiction of the real, as proposed by uh, Rancière. But in his recent work, uh, which explores the edges of fiction in modern literature. He has given us some more, clue, uh, some more clues on how we could um, reconceive the idea of fiction. He has reminded us that, first of all, that fiction means more than uh, this Aristotelian uh, interpretation as an arrangement of action, but also far more than the fabrication of imaginary fantasy worlds 
which are generally set in stark opposition to uh, the unadorned fabric of reality. It is this, it is this uh, persistent idiofix that has recently, for example, found a kind of echo or resonance in, in David Shields' often-cited notion of uh, so-called reality hunger that has supposedly affected uh, contemporary art and, and literature. And it, as it manifests, according to uh, David Shields, a growing yearning for an experience of the un unrehear unrehearsed and simulated real in response to the tiresome artificiality of contrived plots and, and fabricated scenarios. The inventions of fiction, uh, Shields claims, are no longer appropriate to deal effectively with what is already, and I quote, an unbearably uh, manufactured and, uh, and artificial world. Now, this theory finds itself grounded in a particular theoretical framework that has become quite well established uh, throughout uh, the past decades. A, the a theory that reduces all phenomena to the reification of our experience, you know, gradually subsuming uh, us and our experience to the reign of uh, artificial spectacles and simulacra that have less and less of a relationship to an outside reality. Now, this long-standing frame of interpretation obviously brings back to the fore what Aristotle uh, railed against in the first place, in the Platonic uh, denunciation of the intoxicating and, and manipulating uh, shadows that keep reality at bay. A denunciation, as we, as we know, that is nece necessarily founded on a knowledge of the reality that is di dissimulated by appearances. And to, to be able to, to expose the shadows, one must already have broken away from the cave, uh, where its prisoners are, are bound by the chains of illusion. Only now, uh, when, when reality, or, or when the reality that was assumed to be hidden, turns out to be all too apparent, it is revealed that reality itself is danger dangerously collapsing into a kind of make-believe world, which manifests itself in a growing uh, indiscernibility of real and unreal, and, 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 and a kind of uh, indecidability of true and false. And this is uh, what is implied with, with one of the stock phrases that is often used to describe uh, our current belief system, which is called post-truth, invoking an era in which we appear to have moved beyond, beyond truth and, and deception. And this anxiety, anxiety about truth value of, of, the, of, of information adds, of course, to the charges of inconsequence, in a suspicion of fiction, as a kind, of, a kind of surplus, a kind of supplement of artifice added to a reality that is already saturated with, with stories and, and fantasy. And then there are also the arguments exemplified by uh, a book by Luc Lang, which is titled uh, Delit de Fiction, uh, which state that the pro proliferation of first-person narratives and, and fait divers that saturate our own life, uh, online and offline lives has led to a kind of inflation of fiction. The, according to Luc Lang, the apparently democratic phenomenon whereby, whereby each person uh, is authorized to be the subject of his or her own story is then posed as a kind of part and parcel of the advancing culture of individualism and self-expression that has it detach, detached us from reality, playing right into the hands of the perception managers of our post-truth world and ultimately feeding the conformity of our time. So to all, to all appearances, fiction is in really bad shape. But it, is, but it is precisely to this plethora of denouncing arguments that Ranciere has responded to uh, during uh, our, our conversation that, that is uh, also part of the catalogue. 
conversation we had some, some time ago in Ghent. Fiction is everywhere, he stated. Everywhere where a sense of, re of the real must be produced. Those, those who tend to scrutinize fiction as merely masking, ignoring, or subsuming reality, only do, so to, only do so to better avoid questioning their own use of fictional forms. Because fictions, he claims, are not fantasies that deny the real world. On the contrary, they, they frame worlds and they, they give them their reality. He suggests that there is fiction whenever an intelligible structure is proposed which identifies and relates, relates subjects, forms, actions, events, and situations in a, in a way that makes sense. The principles of unplotment uh, that were outlined by Aristotle, as again, an arrangement of actions according to necessity and verisimilitude, merely provide one possible model to frame events and situations and, and give them a sense of reality. This includes, for example, the con conventional documentary reportages uh, that set out to make visible a given situation, explain the reasons behind, behind it and draw consequences from it. Most often by, by way of a calculated mix uh, of familiar and revealing elements that allows us to decode the signs of our times and integrate them uh, into, into a kind of a credible narrative of, of social necessity. But it can also be found in the assertions of many opinion makers who set out to explain the state of things, defining what the present of our world consists of, what futures are rea realistically possible, and what definitely belongs to the past, implying what is now impossible. There are certain things you can no longer do, ideas, which you can no longer believe, futures that you can no longer conceive of. There is then only the lone possibility that is strictly predicated on the management and the optimization of the functioning of the existing order, which is of course, of which of course requires necessary reforms and unfortunate sacrifices. In this grand fiction and the principles of verisimilitude and necessity are thus completely aligned with one another. But that domino model of fiction, uh, which supposes a well-defined world with, with determinate possibilities and determinate capacities, calculable, calculable models of causality and assigned agents and identities, has been questioned and displaced by alternative modes of fictioning, not in the least on, in, the, in the worlds of, of art and cinema. Well, in itself, this observation is nothing new, of course. I am, I'm, I'm also I'm, I'm reminded of a an interview with uh, French filmmaker and critic uh, Jacques Rivette that I uh, recently saw again. An interview that was done by Claire Denis and Serge Danet. Uh, and of course, Rivette is a filmmaker that has always uh, attempted to effect a kind of renewal of fiction um, when he was still alive. Well, and in this interview, he, re he recounts the experience of, of watching a particular film. Uh, a uh, film by Frank Capra. It happened one night, a film of 1934, depicting a very straightforward love story that develops during a road trip from uh, Miami to, to New York. And thinking that a film like that, uh, with its specific nar narrative economy, would no longer be conceivable, because, as he says, we have lost the uh, sight of the notion of the end. That's what he says, literally. Capra knew how the story would end at the start, so he could invent the twists and turns, transitions and digressions that happen in between. He could determine the appropriate relations of means and ends, of causes and effects. 
This, of course, aligns yeah, with the classical model of employment as, as a model of progress that is directed towards an, an end to, to achieve happy or unhappy. This end imposes an order to follow and the disposition of a certain number of operations and eliminations needed for its swift development. Now, said Rovette, the denouement, or the, the neat untying of the plot that resolve, resolves its conflicts and tensions, has become hard to imagine. So we are bound to look for other forms of fiction, other frameworks to make sense of our time, other forms of uh, condensation or elongation of time. And we know that, for example, someone like Gilles Deleuze has, has also grappled with the changing conceptions of time in cinema. But the point is that the texture of fiction as, as a structure of rationality that lends visibility, intelligibility and consistency to, to a reality that exists outside of it, responds to shifting sensibilities and, and perhaps also changing belief systems. We can ask ourselves, for example, hey, what is the sense of the real that we are willing to invest or willing to give to fictions and images that unfold on the screen? What kind of relation between referential worlds and alternative worlds are we willing to give credibility to? What I observe is that a lot of today's fictions, at least the ones that strike me as perhaps the most invigorating or the most striking, are grounded in what Aristotle opposed to his own model of poetic fiction as an arrangement of actions and as unexpected effects, which only concerns those who act and who expect something of their action. And the opposite can be defined as, as a mode of fictioning that rests on an attending to the infinity of sensible experiences that are part of the uh, common everyday, right? the day-to-day -day occurrences without rhyme, without reason, which are supposed to be far removed from the sphere of grand actions and great designs that are rich with possibility and full of the, full of the unexpected. It's a kind of attentiveness and receptiveness that is, that is associated with, a, with an openness to contingency and a readiness to respond to its manifold suggestions without imposing need to incorporate them into the effects of necessity or probability. In a way, fiction is brought back to its minimum core, uh, not as a fabrication of intrigues with a clear beginning, middle and end, obeyed by an enchaining of causes and effects that assures the intelligibility of the narrative uh, through its temporal development and subsumes all elements into the well-oiled well perfection of an of a organic totality, but ra rather as a weaving of relations, of raccord uh, between what happens at one moment and what happens at another, between one strain of existence and another, one time and another, a kind of horizontal unfolding in which each moment can be the point of a departure of an infinite digression or an infinite expansion. In that sense, if you take uh, this mode of horizontal unfolding as a as characteristic of, of what might be called fictions of the real, we can find an example in, in one of the films I uh, proposed this afternoon, a film called Barb's Wastelands by a Portuguese filmmaker, Marta Mateus. In this film, you can feel uh, resistance to the tendency to subordinate shots, moments, fragments to uh, an organic whole, like a living body that is under the commandment of a head that sets the limbs in motion. Rather than following the rules of plotment with appointed protagonists, interpreting dialogue and expressing emotions through a, uh, a qualification of appropriate discourses and attitudes, 
the, film's, the film belongs to a fictional cos cosmology, you could say, in which the functional uh, concatenation of ideas and actions, of causes and effects, no longer seems to apply. Instead, it offers a composition of moments that seem to be saturated by the most minute events. At the same time, there's also a resistance to the rules of uh, verisimilitude that urge filmmakers not only to establish an appropriate uh, relation between cause and effect, but also between the mode of representation and, and the subjects uh, represented. In this case, uh, the forms of life and the inhabitants of the Portuguese Alentejo uh, region who are relating their own, their own accounts of the exploitation, uh, carnation, the Carnation Revolution and the occupation that, that unfolded uh, in its wake, in their own words. So we are not presented here with a representation of, of, of history as, as, as written by the victors, to use Walter, ben, Walter, Walter Benjamin's expression, with, with a tapestry of stories and, and memories, memories of those whose destiny is often deemed to be the obscure reverse side of history. And we are not presented with the, with the authenticity of so-called bare life on the margins of society, but with a singular poetics that extends and, and enhances the rhymes, the rhythms and figures of the everyday, rich, everyday into rich, fantastic fields of uh, potentialities. What at first glance might offer itself as a kind of uh, ethnographic mode of betrayal, uh, sensitive to the uh, colors and shapes of an environment, its communities, its, its ecology and history, its natural rhythms and, and, and life cycles, almost unnoticeably segues into a, a fictional texture where different layers of time become entangled, and events and testimonies that would typically be enclosed into the world of documentary reality are elevated to a kind of realm where the real does not recognize itself anymore. What is, what is proposed is there's a, a cinematic world that cuts through the old uh, Aristotelian opposition between history on one hand and fiction on the other. Fiction which could supposedly only, uh, only concern individuals who live in the sphere of action, who are capable of bringing about great designs and bearing strokes of, of fortune or misfortune. In that particular conception, fiction could not concern people who are bogged down in condition of bare life, supposedly devoted to the sole task of its infinite uh, reproduction. In Barb's Wasteland, for example, however, the experience of bare life takes on the temporality of, of a single composition of testimonies, gestures and expressions that prove to be worth telling, that are worthy of fictioning, invincing the capacity of anybody to transform the grooves of the everyday into the depths of passion, exemplified eh, by the tremendous force of the performances, the gestures, the rhymes, the, tam the timbre of the, uh, of the actors. And in more than one way, eh, the, the force of the actors and their recitation of words imbued with historical experience is re re um, reminiscent of the work of uh, Daniel Villet and uh, Jean-Marie Jean Straub, whose 2003 film Humiliati, or The, hum the Humiliated, I showed alongside uh, the film of Marta Mateusz. Now, since, this, since the 1960s, Trope and, and Huyer, whose work, by the way, has always been an example for Jacques Rivet, uh, Trope and Huyer have always called attention to the capacity of anyone uh, to in, invest the most arduous words with the greatest intensity and, and, uh, and as it were, uh, to carry themselves beyond themselves. Uh, rather than, than showing us the everyday hardships of today's wretched, 
They have chosen to capture fabulous mythological bodies in the course of reciting existing texts with the most care, with the, most, with the utmost care and, and diligence. And in the case of, of, of Umiliati, the texts are based on chapters, specific chapters from uh, Elio Viterini's uh, The Women of, of Messina, which is a novel about a group of men and women who attempt to constru construct a new community, a new cooperative among the rubble of, of post-war post Italy. And, and their dialogues are transformed, by, by a, especially by Daniel Billet, into a kind of poem, a poem in free verse, which is recited by non-professional actors from a local theatre ensemble in, in Tuscany. But this film, Umiliati, this particular film also illustrates how, how the work of Strope and Huyet no longer offers the, the, the Brechtian history lessons of their first films, which typically set out to confront the hidden mechanisms and contradictions of history. Uh, this is uh, exemplified perhaps by a film called Gesichtsunterricht, uh, or History Lessons, uh, which is a film of 1972 based on an unfinished novel of, uh, of Bertolt Brecht, uh, which is titled um, in English The Business Affairs of Mr. Julius uh, Caesar. And in this film they set out to unmask the, the perverse laws of, of capitalist political economy and, and denounce the devastations caused in, in the pursuit of, of power, and profit. In, in Emiliati, however, it is still perhaps a lesson of political economy which is thrown in the face of the members of the community by the delegates, by the delegates of the new order who arrogantly lay out the in inevitable course of progress and tirelessly mocking the, the backwardness of those missing out the so-called the train of history which offers no alternative route. But in the film, any lesson is immediately refuted yeah, by the tremendous force of the uh, community members' dissenting gestures and speech acts, which defer uh, indefinitely the, the time of, of judgment, you could say. Yeah, the, the, the time that, that, that are, uh, the judgments that are, that are relegated in the community's experiment back to a definite past. Against those judging in the name of history, all that has, that has been humiliati, just like Matamateus film seems to initiate a kind of counter trial and by bringing forth, forth, forth testimonies proclaiming something has been, but we maintain that it has been, so it is, we affirm that it is. Instead of a poetics of, of fiction in, in the traditional sense, you could say that these films propose a kind of poetics of, of embodiment as a su succession of moments in which bodies give voice to a community and make present in a very direct way uh, in their speech in their faces, in their gestures, their tonality and their modality, the sensible force of, of what is being spoken about, of the histories that are being spoken about. In defiance of the judges uh, demanding accountability um, from these bodies speaking of, the, of their illusions, these communities are, are affirmed in their political and aesthetical dignity and their capacity of fictional invention and reinvention, which belongs to anyone, including those who are consigned usually consigned to the so-called underside of history. In contrast to, to Brecht's so-called non-Aristotelian dramas, uh, which are grounded in an opposition between those who make history and those who undergo it, and set out to denounce appearances in order to, re to reveal the reality behind them, fictions such as uh, Umiliati and, and, and Barb's Wastelands seem to, do, seem to do just the opposite. And they deploy the Ambiguous, ambiguous force of everyday appearances 
to create ripples in, in the forged obviousness of what is set up as the real, not in order to reveal the hidden or, or shatter the willing, dis, uh, the willing suspension of disbelief, but to, to generate a suspension of what might uphold belief itself and the belief in what is and what goes without saying, uh, the dominant rational order of time, the, the self-evident habit, habitual way of occupying a space of, of, or of being consigned to a place in history. Now, these two films, uh, to, cut it, to cut short, are just examples of what we could call fictions of the real. But I'm sure that are, there are many films, uh, many other films to find here in, in this festival program, uh, which in, in their own way refuse to abide to the oppositions um, which tend to structure the way we make sense of our time, uh, opposing solid realities to fleeting illusions, the time of history to the time of fiction, those who actively make history to those passively undergoing it, cinematic fictions that no longer announce themselves by, by way of invented, credible characters and adventures that follow a causal chain of actions, developing in ways that are both, both logical and, ex and, and ex unexpected, but that rather set out to, to, to provoke to provoke the unexpected, where, where, is it, where, where this, the unexpected is not supposed to be, where, where it might not be expected. Eh? And the immediacy of the everyday, the prosaic, the mundane, and these constellations of simple moments as that uh, Ephraim Azili talked about yesterday, for example. So in, in that which and those who the dominant order systematically condemns to the margins of, of, of insignificance, they are fictions perhaps that refuse to reduce fictional invention to the calculating of the relation of means to ends and causes and effects that subsume everything in their course, but rather suspend uh, these strategic patterns so as to create spaces of affirmation, spaces of manifestation of possibilities and capacities. And it's the attending to the power of expansion encapsulated in any moment whatsoever and the capacity of anybody living it that seems to allow for new modalities of the possible, modest modalities of the possible precisely because the real is not preceded by its possibility. These are fictions, in, in other words, that invent modern spaces where the given, yeah, where the sense of what, is, what pertains to the credible or inconceivable, marginal or central, possible or impossible, uh, can be questioned and, and challenged, problematized, in a world where there seem to be more and more givens uh, that are weighing us down. So at, at Freyens, at, at Freyens, with the common argument that we need more experiences of reality in an already unbearably fictional world, it is perhaps fiction after all that might, might help us to rethink what kind of reality and by extension what kind of hereafter we really want to call in, into existence. So that's what I have for you. Okay, thank you.